Hey guys, welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf. We are a paranormal horror podcast telling each other scary stories to help relax us from our work week hangover. So thank you for joining us today. Couple things, couple announcements. First off, tomorrow's Father's Day. So any of you dads out there, we just want to wish you the best. And that's awesome because Father's Day is a pretty fun holiday. Uh, we also have a special episode coming up soon. I can't tell you what it is yet because it's going to be a fun <laughs> surprise, but I'll give you a little hint. It does have a lot to do with Tiki. It's going to be big Ooh. fun. It is a drinking episode. Get ready for it. It'll, it's going to come be coming in the next couple episodes. So that's pretty exciting. Me and Lily have been working real hard. and We've even got friends in to help us make it a super special project. Um, also, it's super exciting for us because tonight our niece is going to be spending the night and hanging out with us. Yay, she's uh, she's 14 now. And she's she's going to turn 14 oh, she's gonna in turn a month. she's going to turn 14. Oh, Lord, I don't even know. In, in just over a month. <laughs> so she's 13, but she's almost 14. She's about to start high school, and she loves horror, but she hasn't seen a whole lot of it. So it's our job as cool aunt and uncle yes. to... <laughs> show her stuff but now that she's 13 like last time she hung out we watched happy death day which was a lot of fun and she liked it it's totally a horror film but it's not scary like at all so this time she didn't I, watch that last time i thought she did she watched that with us last time oh, yeah. okay i thought you meant you were gonna show it to her no no no, not, not not show it to her this time but this time i think we can dial up the horror quite a bit dun, I mean, dun. we still have to be responsible make sure there's plenty of stuff that we shouldn't be showing her just yet maybe in like a year or two not that but, we should be uh, showing her but guarantee she's probably already seen <laughs> right so yeah it's up to her to sneak that stuff into her life not not us showing it to her exactly but there's just plenty, like the rest of us there's plenty of really scary movies that aren't full of a lot of the inappropriate stuff her parents want to keep us from showing her yeah so we, i will we'll be responsible that. so i'm pretty excited about that uh i'm really looking forward to that mm-hmm. so i don't know if there's anything else yet i don't think there's any horror movies coming out this week but soon not that i know of no so aside from possibly traumatizing our niece later tonight what else nothing else new oh you know what i don't think we introduced ourselves <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> we if, usually if, if do this is if this is your first episode if this is your first time uh i'm your host chase and i'm here with my co-host lily, lily. yes me hi you already got a little flavor of us anyway if you yeah. haven't heard us before i'm sure most of you have already heard an episode but if not i apologize for that um yeah so, so i think i should just get into it yeah i think we need to just jump into the stories because it sounds like judging by that giant pile of paper you have <laughs> this is a big one you've got a burly story today uh-huh. so let's uh let's get it rolling it was actually a really fun one um i'm going to be the doing the story of just the doppelganger like in general in general all like, doppelgangers all doppelgangers uh certain types of are, are you gonna explain which one we're supposed to shoot yeah, <laughs> I'll I'll definitely inform you so you know which one to shoot if Perfect. that ever comes down to it. Uh, so in case no one has ever heard of the term, the doppelganger is a German word that literally means double walker. In history, the doppelganger has been interpreted in many ways. Sometimes it's an apparition, a spirit, or literally a real person that is um, not biologically related. Mm-hmm. It's also often seen as a bad omen or a harbinger, which means an initiator or an upcoming event. And in this case, it's really bad because Mm. it usually means you're going to die soon. (laughs) Okay, so I don't mean it up so early in the story. No, no, go ahead. But that's a little unsettling because a couple of years ago, you saw my (laughs) doppelganger 
So my wife, we had already, we weren't married at the time, but we had already been dating for many years. Yeah. And she comes home and says, I saw your doppelganger. She said, it looked so much like you. I almost went up to talk to talk to him because I thought it was you. I I'm was like, like a few feet away when I was like, do, do, do. Nope, that's not Chase. <laughs> yeah. But it was from the side, kind of side back. So I, I didn't get like full front like vision but even he did look like you when i finally saw his entire face not as much as he did from behind or from the side but holy cow i was about to like jump on this person and yeah thank god i was paying more attention because i was seriously gonna scare the shit out of this person poor dude so if that's a bad (laughs) omen i mean it was years ago but now i'm uncomfortable it usually means like tomorrow or like soon kind of thing so i think you're in the clear maybe he's not your true doppelganger just close. Or maybe he's the one who had bad luck. Oh my god, he's dead. <laughs> Let's hope not. No, I hope not. Stop looking at people, Lily. I'm going to stop looking at faces now. Um, All right, well, anyway, continue. This. So, in, uh, yeah, so the concept of doppelganger is pretty freaking old. In ancient Egypt, the term ka means spirit double, mm-hmm. is the second person or spirit that inhabits the same memories and feelings and can be sustained through offerings. In Irish folklore, the equivalent phenomenon is called fetch, in, um, and it was finally put into the provincial glossary in 1787, so it was something that it was definitely important to them, and it was described as apparition of a living, of a so, person living. So they actually got fetch to happen? Oh my god, they did! <laughs> Go it, Irish! It totally happened. Um... So, in 1848, Doppelganger also appeared in The Night Side of Nature by Catherine Crow, uh, Crow's book, which helped it popularize the term and associate it to the paranormal. Mm. So, I think that's where the transition finally gotcha. made its way in. In more modern history, films have taken the Doppelganger idea and reinterpreted it across genres. Most of them uh, are horror, but I have seen a lot of thrillers and science fiction mm. that use this Doppelganger concept. Uh, like, oh, totally. In com- I mean, comic books, too. Yeah, in comic books. Really in just anything, yeah. to be honest. Uh, we've seen many of these movies, like The Prestige. Um, oh, yeah. Moon, Us, Another yeah. Earth. And uh, there is actually a movie that I came across called Just Doppelganger, starring Drew Barrymore, that came out in the early 90s. I'd never seen it. I've never even heard of that one. Yeah, but that popped up, and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll watch that later. Who knows? I don't see many Drew Barrymore movies, though, so I'm not surprised, but... yeah. I don't know. So all those movies, definitely, I see what you mean by they could be doppelgangers. So I'm realizing that the term, at least now, is actually quite broad. And it was broad before. Okay. There was, I mean, now people see see it as kind of like, oh, I found my doppelganger. And it's like just another person that kind of looks like them. And uh, whereas before, it's like just a replica. Yeah, honestly. it sounds like when you said the Egyptian one, they called it the Ka. Yeah. That kind of it's like your spirit version like your your opposite version right and like in the movie another earth she sees an alternate universe version of her and so exactly okay okay i'm seeing this now all right so and there's also just like i said different interpretations and throughout my research it seems like it's something that humans are definitely afraid of and uh, mm. I, I, it's just like a fear. It, it turned into also kind of like a phobia. That would be terrifying. Though. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I would be freaking scared, too. Uh, so, yeah. So here we go. I found some amazing true stories from famous people, regular people, and even stories from doctors that try to make sense of it all. Hmm. Yeah. Like medical doctors or like psychologists and stuff? 
Doctors. No, I meant, I meant like medical, like like a surgeon who's uh, no. like, let me find out what's going on with this double. Neuro, neuro, neurologist. No, no, no. I think there was like a term his field or what he was doing. Oh, okay. All right, I'm jumping ahead. I'll get to oh, it. Yeah. No, I I, 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 did not mean to imply psychologist. I, when I said real, I meant to say medical doctor, not real, because that that would have been that's a wrong term to use. Yeah, rude. No, no, no. I know what you I mean. I like though. psychologist. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, but I'm going to start not there. The first story I'm going to share is John Don or Donnie. I'm not sure how you say his last name. D-O-N-N-E. I'm going to call him Donnie. His name is John Donnie? John Donnie. Okay. That's what I'm going to say. So he believed that he saw his wife in just what he described an impossible way. The story was published in a book in 1612, so the, the language was written in like early modern style. Not quite as confusing as Shakespeare, mm-hmm. but still really annoying. Okay. So don't worry, I rewrote it for you guys uh, to better <laughs> fit a more modern vernacular. So here we go. Two days after arriving in Paris, along with other friends, Donnie was left in the dining room alone where Robert, his friend, returned to the dining room and saw that Donnie was up and alert. He asked him, what's wrong? After a long pause, Donnie finally said that while everyone was gone, he had an awful vision. He said, quote, I have seen a dreadful vision since I saw you. I have seen my dear wife pass twice by me through this room with her hair hanging about her shoulders and a dead child in her arms. Mm-hmm. This I have seen since I saw you, end quote. Robert suggested that maybe he was dreaming. Uh, but Donnie assured him that he was not, and he continued to say that when he saw his wife the second time, she stopped, faced him, and then vanished. The incident happened on the same night that his wife gave birth to a stillborn child. Um, I'm assuming that this was later revealed, so he didn't know this at the time. So it was like a premonition. Not just a premonition, but like seeing it happen... Mm projecting i guess and that's exactly what a lot of people say this kind of doppelganger is it's a type of of a projection usually uh subconsciously the person will cast themselves into a double person and appear before someone that is significant to them or connected to the tragedy Mm -hmm. so they both experience it even though they're not there so what's making this different than it just being a premonition as opposed to a doppelganger well isn't premonition something that hasn't happened yet yeah, well, and I guess this technically didn't exactly happen. It would kind of just foreshadowed. It was as, well, before he found out, but I think the idea is that she gave a birth to this stillborn. Ch- the stillborn, and, and then he saw it too, even though he couldn't be there for her. Oh, this was happening at the exact same time? Right, the idea is oh. that it happened at the same time. Okay, that was, my bad. I, I misunderstood that. Okay, yeah. okay now, now I'm seeing it. All right, all right. Yeah, but here we go. So the next story is by Johann Wolf, Wolfgang. Yeah, Wolfgang. Wolfgang? Yeah, you can say it, it's common for people speaking English to just call it Wolfgang. But okay. yeah, the German would have more of a V sound. A yeah. v, well, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, mm. who is a famous German writer, scientist, theater director, basically everything, kind of important person. Um, he had a personal account with his doppelganger. The incident took place sometime in the late 1700s where uh, Johann was riding his horse down a path in France on his way to see his lady friend. Hmm. He stopped dead in his tracks because, as he described it, he was consumed by an overwhelming mental experience. He saw a man on a horse coming down the path in the opposite direction. 
Once the man was close enough, he realized that it was him, but dressed in clothes he'd never seen before. And then moments later, after he was able to shake away the vision, the man disappeared. Mm. Eight years later, Johan found himself back on that same road under different circumstances that were out of his control. He realized that the vision he had eight years prior were beginning to unfold because he was also wearing the same outfit as his double that he saw you know, eight years back. So he's having kind of a deja vu moment, it but was, he actually knows exactly what he remembered. He remembers this deja vu for sure. And mm. he was also given these clothes, not by choice. So it's not like he made this happen. It's just that it finally fell into place. Hmm. Yeah, he described the experience as reassuring and peaceful. Not a common reaction, I think, but I guess good for him. I would anticipate if he saw that something <laughs> bad was about to happen. Right. I would think, like, is this the day I die? Like, is <laughs> this it? Like, what's going on? No, but he's fine. Um, or at least he was fine that day. Um, <laughs> as of when he gave the quotes, he as, was fine. As far as I know, he's he's all right. And, yeah, so that was basically his experience. It's kind of like seeing the future me versus mm. the other me. And that's a little different, too. Yeah, so the next story, kind of a weird, wild one, is by Abraham Lincoln. Hey! Hey, yo. Uh, speaking of, like, just having credibility, like we always talk about and whatnot, this might be one where people are like, oh, well, I'd believe him. Well, wasn't his nickname Honest Abe? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, if your nickname is that you're honest, it's either done ironically because you, or sarcastically because they always lie, or it's they're a relatively truthful person. Truthful, I think. So, yes, um, he had an experience with his doppelganger on the night he was officially elected into office. Mm -hmm. He said that when he walked by a full-length mirror, he noticed that he had two reflections. This is what he said, quote, I was a little bothered, but the illusion vanished, end quote. Then, the same night, while he was lying in bed, he saw his double appear before him again. This time, he noticed the apparition was at least five shades paler than before. Damn. That's creepy. Uh, his wife, Mary, interpreted the experience as a bad omen. Later, she would go on to say that the vision was actually a prediction that he would be elected for a second term, but would not live long enough to finish it, explaining why the doppelganger appeared so pale the second time. As you know, this did come to realize. Lincoln did win his second term, but then was later assassinated like a month later. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess... That one was definitely the bad kind, so. And I thought you were going to be, like, really trippy with it, and he was like, I saw my doppelganger, but there was, like, blood on his head or something. I was like, oh, Oh, man. my God. Not that literal, but, I mean, pretty close. That's the close. Hollywood version. That's the Hollywood, so I expect to see that at some point in, in a movie. <laughs> uh, the next story is of Emily Sage. Uh, this story is arguably the most famous doppelganger story. Uh, if you just Google famous doppelganger stories or or just doppelganger, this will, without a doubt, show up on your search. So I can't get away with not talking about it. Yeah. And it's also a lengthy story. So here we go. During my research, I also stumbled on a podcast called The Dark Histories Podcast, who not only talks about the same information that you usually get on your Google search, but also goes far and beyond to maintaining historical accuracies, which I highly recommend people listen to this episode. It's, um, again, the Dark Histories podcast, season two, episode 11, if you want to know more about it. Um, I, of course, will be taking information from that and other things that I read to kind of fit better my stories, but he gets more historical. You know, like, that's the whole point of his podcast. Sure. Anyway, 
And also, I didn't want to make this uh, episode two hours long because his is actually an hour just on this story. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's start from the beginning. This story has been circulating since 1845. It seems that the original source of this came from a chapter in a book called Footfalls on the Boundary of Another World that was written in 1860 by Robert Dale Owens. Owens was born and raised in Glasgow, Scotland, but eventually immigrated to the U.S. He was very active in politics and was an activist against slavery and a proponent for women's rights. So he was a pretty cool dude. He also received uh, most of his information from a woman that once worked at the same school as Emily Saget. So that's how he got his information. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Emily was born in Dijon, France in 1813. In 1845, at 32 years old, Emily went to work as a school teacher at Pensionat von Neuvelk in Latvia. That was hard to say. <laughs> it was a very prestigious all-girls boarding school, which at the time held 42 students total, so it wasn't a very big school. When Emily started working at, at Neuvelk, she had already worked at 18 different schools in 16 years prior. Damn. So that's a lot of transfers. That's a lot. Yeah, so right off the bat, this is already sounding very suspicious to me. Uh, the first time anyone noticed something strange with Emily was when students began to think that they would see her in one place, then see her in another seconds after. For example, they would see her going up the stairs, then they turn around and she would be coming around the corner from the opposite side of the building. This was especially notable when staff members or students would inquire her whereabouts, only to be met with confusion. One person would say, oh, she's in her classroom. But then another student would be like, I just passed by her in the hall on the other side. You know, things like that. It was just mm. very weird. Yeah. Uh, these little encounters didn't really spark any suspicion or alarm. But it was something that people looked back on as the first time they met the doppelganger. The next incident occurred that same year, 1845, during class. So while she was teaching and writing on the chalkboard... A perfect double appeared next to Amelia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amelia was unaware that her doppelganger mimicked her movements exactly as she wrote on the chalkboard, except that her double didn't have chalk in her hand. Thirteen students witnessed this event and saw the mysterious figure continue to stand beside her. Some of the students began to laugh, thinking it was a joke, until Emily turned around and asked, What's so funny? Her students were commenting, that the other woman next to her, is she your twin? Pointing <laughs> at her. But Emily insisted that she didn't that she couldn't see anyone there. Oh wow. Yeah. Then without warning, the figure disappeared. The students were left stunned. It didn't take long until everyone, including staff members, heard about the incident. But of course no one really took this seriously, and most people, especially staff, thought it was just a childish joke. Yeah, it could be an elaborate child. A uh, huge, like, I guess, 13 kids, though? I don't know. I wouldn't trust 13 adults to keep a secret, so. <laughs> uh, unfortunately for everyone, they'd soon find out that this was not an isolated occurrence. One of Emily's students needed her skirt adjusted, and Emily said, sure, I'll help you. And uh, while she was working on the student's skirt, the girl stood and kind of looked over, because across the room there was a mirror. So she looks in the mirror and sees that there were two Emilys behind her working on her dress. The child was unable to process this information, and the poor thing fainted. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, that's why it's a notable event, because when she came to, she's like, uh, get that woman away from me. She's like, 
she's bad news. So yeah, she was not happy about that. Another time, a couple of students saw her eating in the dining room when her twin would suddenly appear next to her, again, mimicking her every move. The only way to distinguish the two was by seeing that Emily, that the real Emily had a spoon in her hand and the other didn't. Mm. That's weird. Uh, Some of the girls would see Emily sitting in a chair and when she would get up, an exact copy would still be remained seated. So it's kind of like, I don't know. Leaving behind a trace or something. Kind of, yeah. Like, you know when your computer freaks out Mm -hmm. and your window is just like duplicating itself? Yeah. (laughs) So Emily was just crashing. She's just crashing. Okay, it's fine. Just like reload. Um, Have you tried turning her off and on again? (laughs) Solution works all the time. Every time. Every time. Uh, So, yeah, things began to escalate from there. When Emily fell ill, a staff member came to visit her to see how she was doing and, you know, just to keep her company. Sure. A staff member was looking around the room and as clear as day, she saw Emily walking around the apartment. The woman was left speechless and did everything she could to remain still, hoping that the doppelganger would not notice her staring. Mm-hmm. Emily, still lying in bed, asked, what's wrong? But the staff member refused to answer right away and when she couldn't see the double anymore, like it left her sight, the staff member stood up from her chair and left immediately. She's like, Can you F imagine this. everyone keeps seeing a double, but you don't? You're like, what is happening? <laughs> like, are you guys playing a joke on me? Come on. So finally, the following year in 1846, on a nice summer day, all 42 students were in the main hall taking embroidery lessons. The large hall had tall windows that overlooked the garden located in front of the building, which is where Amelia was. uh, She was there gathering flowers. Sometime during class, the instructor excused herself and left the room. Not long after, the students saw Emily. Did I say Amelia earlier? Yeah, I was getting confused because I was like, I kept saying Emily, and I was like, man, I'm going to sound real dumb if I I said Emily when it was Amelia. No, no, no. I think I was totally like... (laughs) Ever since you said it, it was running in my head. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to sound so dumb. No, no. I I wrote oh. Amelia for some oh. reason right here, and I have no idea. Cause oh, I'm so glad it wasn't my... me who made the mistake, just you. <laughs> my bullet is wrong. Okay, sorry. Um, Amelia yeah. Earhart made Amelia... her way into your paper. <laughs> That's where she ended up. No. Um, again, all the students were in this large like main hall because they were taking an embroidery lesson. And then Emily was outside mm-hmm. gathering flowers. And sometime, again, during class, the instructor that was actually teaching the class decided to leave for just a moment. She excused herself. uh, Yeah. No, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say, I I just wanted to point out, you're about to tell me something scary, but how quaint is this? A bunch of students are taking embroidery in a nice bright room, and the the (laughs) teacher's out gathering flowers. I'm like, this is so Disney. Quaint, I know. And and now you're about to ruin it. And now it's not going to get so Disney. So get ready. Yes, so the teacher left, and uh, not long after, they saw Emily enter the room and sit in the chair without saying a word. Mm. The students greeted her, but... Um, since she didn't respond or anything like that, they also didn't think too much of it. They just said, hello, Miss Emily or whatever. She's just a bitch right now. Yeah, I was like, I guess she's in a mood. Well, it wasn't until some of the students looked out the window and saw that Emily was still outside in the garden. Soon, everyone could see Emily at the same time, but in different locations. So now they were like, for real, we're all seeing this, right? Like, this is happening. 
the girls were obviously terrified and didn't know what to do until a couple of brave girls got up and slowly approached Emily sitting in the chair. Their account of the situation was that they felt very strange and an odd resistance, even though the doppelganger wasn't reacting. So it was more like a like, physical. Like it was hard for them? Like they were feeling resistance against their body? Or? Yeah, like they said okay. that it was just something weird. Like they just couldn't approach her really or touch her is what they I think they were intending to do. So yeah, so one of the girls then decided to place fabric in front of the Emily but still, there was no reaction. Then, just like before, the apparition disappeared. Every single student that attended that school saw this happen. So this is for real. Mm. Yeah. When Emily was later asked what she thought about the incident, like, what do you think is happening? Because we don't know. Emily said that while she was in the garden, she did in fact look up at some point and notice that the chair was empty. Her only thought at that moment was, quote, I wish she had not gone away. These girls would be short in idling their time and getting into some mischief, end quote. She was referring to the teacher leaving them unattended. Gotcha. And so was she like, just this thought caused her apparition to appear? Was she projecting? We don't know. But she definitely had no intentions of doing this. Like, she has no control over this. Mm. Yeah, so I don't know. Something this big did not go unnoticed. Even the parents started to hear about these strange encounters. Hmm. Many of them were alarmed, while others were just annoyed. Like, whether or not the stories were true, the parents believed that the whole ordeal was distracting, and they just didn't like it. Eventually, the students went home for their vacation break, and when it was time for them to return, only 12 girls returned. The director... Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a lot out of 42. Fire the teacher. Right. Get your, get your students back. Yeah, the director and the facility were disappointed uh, because for a long time they were actually defending Emily and didn't want to fire her because she, you know, despite all these strange occurrences, uh, she did have high qualifications and they really did just like her as a person. But it wasn't until they saw how many people returned that they were like, yeah... We can't put the school before one teacher. So. I mean, I feel really bad for the teacher, but there really isn't a rule book that says, like, please don't bring your possessions and demons <laughs> and doppelgangers to work with you. Because, I mean, I'm hey. sure if this happened nowadays, this would be a big legal issue. And I totally right. understand both sides. How you, but How do you fight that? I mean, justify if, that. But if my employee was bringing their demonic possession to work with them... <laughs> And we were losing more than half our business because of it. I'd be like, you know what? I think maybe I have a reason to fire. Well, so you either fire the person or you change business plans and you're like, we're now a haunted house. So <laughs> let's make money. Haunted embroidery. <laughs> I'd go to it. Um, yeah. So they did end up firing her. And uh, Emily was obviously very sad. And under her breath, a coworker said that they heard her say, uh, the 19th time, it's very, very hard to bear. And uh, when they asked her, well, what do you mean the 19th time? This was when she reluctantly admitted this was her 19th job, 19th school, I should say, that she worked at. And every single time, the same thing would happen since she was 16 years old. Whoa. Yeah. So she knew about this. Didn't tell anyone. Hoping maybe <laughs> 19th's the charm. I don't know. And it's not something you really put on a resume, is it? Not really. No, you really don't. <laughs> Emily eventually did move in with her sister, who had two small children, and there the stories of the doppelganger continued. 
The children who were like around three to five years old would often say things like, we see two Aunt Emilies, thinking this was normal because it would happen so often. Not long after that, Emily decided to move to Russia. We're not sure where that is. Uh, where in Russia? No, okay. I mean, I like, like, like no, know Russia I know is. where Russia is. I don't know where in Russia she went. Okay. <laughs> yeah, at this point... I don't know if the records would be that strong. So. No, I don't think so. And the person that, and the informant um, of the person that wrote this in his book, she only knew her because they worked at the same school. She's not going to keep track, yeah, or, yeah. or at least probably not. Anyway, going back to the writer, like I said, Robert Owen, because his informant lost contact with Emily, they really didn't know a whole lot about her after, but also not before. I guess she said that all she really knew about Emily was that she started teaching around 16 years old. And since then, because she admitted on her last day that these things have been occurring. But we don't know if, she, if this was since infancy. We don't know if this is since the 19th school, although it's safe to assume probably yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to the validity of the story, I turned back to the Dark Histories podcast because this is where the host, Ben, really comes in um, and helped me out <laughs> because he did a lot of research about finding out whether or not if Emily Sage even existed. And what he did find was a birth certificate of an Octavia Sage that was born in Dijon in 1813, same exact as Emily. He continued to explain that changing the first name may not have been such a strange thing to do, especially if she was um, like an illegitimate child. Totally. Uh, changing her name would actually have helped her escape that stigma, and at the time, this would have been just the way to go. Also, Ben couldn't find any documents of the school Emily allegedly worked at in Latvia. This doesn't necessarily mean that school didn't exist, because it could have very easily changed its name, then closed down, and all documents of the original name would have been lost. Like, all these things is very plausible, especially oh, for its time. Yeah. Anything in Eastern Russia that underwent... You know the communist right. curtain and everything. I mean, Latvia is right on the border of yeah, Russia. Records yeah, records and, and paper keeping. What got it was before. A little bit, a little bit's an understatement. It yeah. got sketchy, so yeah, I a mean, lot of information is missing. It's just it was difficult for him to find. And um, again, this this uh, podcast goes even more in depth with it. All the information I told you, one has been reduced, and two is only halfway into the podcast. So there's a lot more that he talks about. Well, that's cool. Yeah, which I recommend again. Um, but. For this episode, I'm going to move on because I want to keep it creepy and share some more true encounters. So we don't know if she was bringing doppelganger shit all over Russia or nothing. No, we don't know. (laughs) I wish she could have controlled it. Like, that would be an amazing just gift, I think, to really mess (laughs) with people. So we could do like a circus act together? No, I just would like scare people. I don't know. (laughs) It just sounds fun. So let's see. I'm going to go into some modern tales. In fact, these are, these are some I found on Reddit. Don't worry. They're legit. Uh, <laughs> and they're just going to quote. They're like just, I'm taking it from them. And I'm not even rewriting them because they're really, they're really. Are you going to say their usernames? Because they're probably like terrible well, usernames. No, I actually found this on another website where they said this is from Reddit or something. So they kind of, it's already been rewritten. All right. Whatever. All right. <laughs> so, okay. Here's the first story. Late at night, I usually go to the bathroom multiple times, for, but for the past four days, every time I go to leave, I can see myself standing in the mirror from the corner of my eye. It is like the other me is watching me leave the bathroom. It terrifies me to the point where I almost run out look, without looking directly at the mirror. I never told my husband about it because I didn't want to acknowledge it out loud. 
Earlier today, I took a nap in our bed while he sat in the chair next to it watching TV. When I woke up, he told me that he had seen me get up and crawl backwards to the edge of the bed and stand up in front of our bedroom door from the corner of his eye. Totally normal behavior. Totally normal, especially what I'm going to tell you next. He thought it was weird I got up like this because I'm... I'm in the last month of my pregnancy. Wait, what? <laughs> and I can't re- <laughs> uh, and I can't really move so well without it hurting. So he tried talking to me. When I didn't answer, he looked at the door to find me not there but still sleeping in bed. I got really creeped out and I finally told him about what I had been seeing in the bathroom. He thought it was creepy as well, but we didn't want to really talk about it anymore because it he thinks it will give whatever it is power or energy. I have no mm. idea what it wants or why we have both seen it. I mean, I don't know if I agree with him, but he's at least playing the smart game, which I, I mean, dig. Right. I mean, let's just like pretend yeah, it doesn't if, exist. If that is possible, be safe about it. So yeah, no, uh, props to him. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm glad he was at least supportive. He's like, don't look at it. All right. Yeah. So this is already the second one relating to pregnancy and doppelgangers. Have you seen a theme with pregnancy and doppelgangers? You know, I honestly didn't think about it until now. No, I haven't. I mean, Uh, two stories does not make a theme. I'm just saying, I'm wondering if you had noticed that. No, no. Honestly, the other stories that I'm going to tell you have nothing to do with it. So this might have been a coincidence. Who knows? Anyway, next story. Another Redditor said, when I was nine, I stayed home sick from school. And she put sick in quotation marks. Oh, yeah. She was like me. You know. Save sick days for fun days. Exactly. <laughs> Go to school when you're sick because you're already having a bad day. Yeah. you are. Get everyone else sick. Not the poster child for coronavirus. But yeah, but I'm a, just, I, <laughs> just I was kidding. a terrible kid. Like, if I had a cold, I was like, well, I'm going to school. I already hate well, my Well, at day. the time, it would have been fine. I did the same thing. Everyone had to. Yeah. So this person goes on to say, I distinctly remember that I wasn't actually sick. Simply playing hooky to avoid bullying. Kids are cruel as I did that a lot around that age. I woke from a nap, turned on the TV in our living room, and scrolled through some channels when my mother, quote-unquote, suddenly leaned over the bar and stared at me without saying anything. I had been awake for a few minutes at this point, so I can't rightly blame sleep paralysis for all of this. Now, whatever this thing was, it was entirely identical to my actual mother. It sounds weird to describe, but... It's as if the only difference was that this thing pretended to be my mom, mm. but never felt a single emotion in itself, in life. It just knew it wasn't right. It was unsettling. It beckoned me, and I attempted to talk to her as I would my mother. She kept beckoning, refused to answer, and that's when I sensed something horribly wrong. Naturally, I started screaming at this thing to answer me, but it just kept beckoning. Mm. Man, this is the worst fake sick day ever. Right? So, uh. Supposed to stay home and watch, like, Step by Step and Blossom. But now you got. Yeah, no, I mean, they're terrible shows I never watched, but. Yeah. You know, when I stayed home sick, that's all that was on. Right. But I mean. I was gonna say, like, talk show hosts and, like. Well, you also also grew up with cable. I grew up with whatever. No, this was on normal TV. Like. Oh, like, what was the like Ma- Mari Pro? Mari, and stuff. I, God, I couldn't remember their names. Yeah, all those Ricky all those Lake, <laughs> Ricky Lake. Yeah, her too. Yeah, but uh, so instead of being able to do all that trashy television, she's got like fake demon doppelganger mom being like, "Yeah, I'm here." Yeah, but not saying anything. <laughs> but not saying anything. 
Um, yeah, so where was I? Ah, uh, yes. So she says, or he. I bolted, running out of the room and into the yard yelling for help. My mother, the real one, had been working in the yard and came rushing over. I told her what I'd seen and she soothed me. With- soothed? <laughs> she soothed <laughs> I thought you said soothe like the lawyer's like, you saw a double? No, I'm going to sue you for all your worth. No, soothed. Okay. <laughs> she sued me. That's what I heard. And I was like, I was like, what the heck does the kid have? And that was a truly terrifying part. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no. Parents. <laughs> no, she soothed me with easy explanations that it must have been a fever dream, mm. but thankfully stayed by my side uh, the rest of the afternoon as I was ner- as I was a nervous wreck. Couldn't have been a fever dream because she faked being sick, so it was definitely... She could have had one of those weird dreams, though. Like, she wasn't a fever dream, but sometimes you just have a dream and you wake up and it was, like, so lucid and real that you're just like, hmm. Well, she said it was, like, minutes after she woke up. I don't know. I guess I've never had a dream like that where... I've had so many. I'm like, well, no, not, like, when I'm upright and I'm changing the channel, but there's never that transition mm. where then you wake up again. Gotcha. So... I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I think... I don't think I've had anything quite... I have never, yeah, and it couldn't have been again sleep paralysis, like she said or he said, because they could move; they were moving around. Anyway, so that was the uh, second story. The next thing I'm going to tell you is kind of like the—I don't know if it's maybe my favorite part, but kind of. I found this on a BBC article. Mm. Yeah, this was an incredible article to read that I came across uh, on BBC.com. It was written by, okay, God help me, Anil. Anathaswamy, maybe that's how you say their name. Sorry. I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, me either. Sorry, uh, but the article is called "The Disturbing Consequence of Seeing Your Doppelganger." The article talks about Peter Brugger, who at the time was a PhD student in neuropsychology. That's what it was. Is that what you said? No, that's not what you said. I think I said neurology. Neurology. And psychology originally. Okay, so yeah. yeah. So at the so he was at the University of Zurich in Switzerland. Brugger recalls an incident with a 21-year-old man who was experiencing seizures. It all started when the guy stopped taking his anticonvulsant medication, and one morning, after a night of heavy drinking, the guy, which, by the way, never gives us the real name, so he's just the guy, wakes up and gets out of bed, totally hungover, and starts looking around his room. Then there, lying in bed, he sees himself still sleeping Hmm. his initial reaction was to wake himself up because he's going to be late to work he tried yeah i know weird reaction but i gotta wake up my doppelganger (laughs) he tried yelling and shaking himself but nothing was working uh this is when things got a little crazy because according to him he would shift consciousness back and forth to each body so for a while he would see himself lying in bed, then suddenly he'd see himself see himself hovering above him trying to shake him awake. So the entire situation soon became overwhelming and he truly could not distinguish if he was awake or asleep. He didn't know which body he belonged to. Unable to bear it any longer, he jumped out his fourth floor window. Luckily he sur- yeah. Luckily he did survive because he landed on a large bush. So that's nice. The guy would later say that he didn't actually wanted to commit suicide, but rather jump to, quote, find a match between body and self. 
So he just wanted to know if he was real or not because he couldn't, he didn't mm. know if he was lying down. And if he was a guy that jumped off the floor, fourth floor, then it wouldn't have been him. Sounds like Does he was mean? having some serious issues inside. Very severe issues. I was, I was going to say before we get too far away from sure. it. Sure. I have had dreams where I've switched between people in my dream, like two people interacting. Mm-hmm. I've gone back and forth between but them. That's, that's different. happened in dreams, but I've never had the other stuff he was going through. But I have been in dreams where I've actually been two people and I'm going back and forth. But this was undoubtedly physical the entire time okay. for him. Yeah, that so, was, that's not what I had. But yeah. So if the weird thing about this entire situation is if he was having a seizure, like let's just pretend because he was he stopped taking his medication and he took and he had a seizure then he would, in theory, would have been lying in bed. He would have been that guy, not the projection. Sure. So if he wasn't the projection, and then the projection jumped out the window, how the hell did he get hurt if that wasn't him? Unless he stopped having a seizure, then jumped out the window, but there was never that memory transition. Like, he never saw himself get out of bed again. Yeah, but a lot of weird things are happening You're right. in the brain during it. A- You're right. Yeah. It's just crazy, but this is his... His recollection. This is how he still sees it to this day. It's a terrifying notion. Right. So again, like I said, he did survive. And and while he was being treated for his injuries, you know, after jumping out the window, they also found a tumor growing in his left temporal lobe. Oh, man. Which was then removed. After the surgery, the guy's hallucinations and seizures completely stopped. So I don't know. I mean... It could have just been that, I guess. I think it was just that. Right. So (laughs) here's some explanation uh, from the article, Doctor. This type of hallucination is classified as autoscopic phenomena when broken down means self-looking at. It's when you feel like someone is next to you, but you can't see the person looking at you. And seeing a doppelganger is the extreme form of this condition. When this happens, most people refer to it as an out-of-body experience. It's typically It typically occurs when you are unconscious and your other self can see you sleeping. So that's always like how it's sure. it's done. So this definitely does not explain the other doppelganger stories. This is just no, no, no. Th- these incidents. Um, there was another case of a 43-year-old woman who was also experiencing seizures. She underwent some experimental testing, and with her permission, Dr. Olaf Blank inserted electrodes in her head to record activity and to intentionally stimulate different parts of her brain, which would often lead to seizures. So by the way, if, if you're worried, um, the reason this woman agreed to such extreme treatment slash experimentation was because she wasn't responding to any medication, and there was no physical signs of damage, so there was no lesions, no tumors, nothing like that. She just wanted to get so this figured out. There was literally no other way to treat her seizures. So her last resort was to be one of the first people to be studied. That's that's all it is. Um, during these experiments, the woman reported to feel like she was, quote, sinking into the bed or fall from a height, end quote, okay. which actually I get all the time. I get it right now and then. I, I think it's supposed to be a sign of stress. Oh, well, then I'm stressed every freaking day. I get it like multiple times a night sometimes or multiple times a week for sure. So I know the dreams where your teeth are falling out are supposed to 100% be stress. Yeah, I get those every once in a while. Yeah, they're not too. They were a lot more common when I was in high school. Yeah, I was going to say definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when Dr. Blank would increase the amperage, she claimed to have had the out of body experiences. So mm. she so he was able to induce that. She would actually see herself lying in bed just as she would appear in real life. 
So she was able to see the doctor. She was able to see herself. Everything so much to digest with that. I have no idea. Yeah, the article continues to talk about their research and other experiments. Highly recommend reading it. It's really just a good article. Now, if you want the scientific paper, I'm not sure. I'm sure you can find it. But so yeah, that that was cool. I think that was my favorite part of my research, to be honest. Makes you wonder about the possible intangibility of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Because consciousness is still something that's very hard to specifically describe, even in scientific terms, because it's such a complicated thing. And the and the doctors, all they can do is take the information that is provided to them by the recipient, like by the test subject or whatever. So was there a chance that if it were possible to be able to separate your consciousness from your person, were some of the experiments they were doing playing with that boundary? <laughs> I don't know, assuming you believe in that. And then that would go back to the guy with the tumor, and maybe the tumor was causing damage, forcing that with himself as well. Well, the tumor was, was instead of the electrodes, instead it was, of, yeah. It was, yeah, it was just a it was something else that was causing cancer a, prod, uh, catalyst. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, so I, I, I don't have any answers. I just, <laughs> I just read I what I read. I think this was going to get philosophical I here. know. I thought we were just going to talk about, like, seeing people who look like us trust me i didn't either until i was like in the thick of it i'm like well this is where we're going with this people get ready um going back i guess uh social media today there's plenty of people actually going out of their way to find their doppelganger finding their twin stranger as it's often referred it's now easier than ever all you got to do is upload a picture and use your or some sort of facial recognition software to find people that match your features there are plenty of stories of people who f- find their what they believe is their face twin. In fact, <laughs> there's also people who inadvertently find their actual twin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turns out, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, they, one, find out they were adopted, and two, find out that they had a twin this entire time. So that's a whole nother story, in my opinion. I love when I, like, I mean, I feel bad for them because sometimes sure. that can be traumatic. But I love when I hear stories about how they get together and and the two find out that even though they lived in completely different cities, different they like parents, dress the same, they act the they same. They marry the kind of same person. Oh, yeah. That, that stuff is a trip. Blows my mind completely. Yeah. That yeah. one's crazy. It really has like that nature nurture. And you're just scared. Really you're like, you question Uh-oh. some things. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to know. That maybe some of the reasons twins who live together develop such differences is as out of a necessity to that would be environmental yeah, yeah exactly um so i guess the i think i'm gonna wrap it up because it's already getting close to an hour here um well, don't worry we'll let end. your doppelganger continue yeah if i had a doppelganger they can do edit this afterwards <laughs> i would really appreciate that um, oh if i had a doppelganger i would make sure they t- had all the hangovers and i could do the <laughs> Our doppelgangers would be jumping out of fourth floor windows. <laughs> or they'd wait till we were sleeping and murder us. Yeah, it'd be like, who? so they get the whole brunt then, I guess. <laughs> wow, we're awful. We're like, if I had a doppelganger, I would totally abuse them. They'd be my slave. We are horrible human beings. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I agree. I'm going to leave this last little tidbit here. Okay. I just want to warn that if you do end up putting yourself out there, like on social media, Um, This will leave you vulnerable. And no, I'm not talking about the government cataloging your face for future reference. That's already happened, guys. I know. That's not what I'm I'm referring to. I mean, leaving yourself to the vultures of the internet. There's a subreddit I found in the midst of- Oh, my God. You're going to say doppelbanger, aren't you? Oh, my God. No. (laughs) 
I did not find that one, sir. It, that's a horrible subreddit where people upload <laughs> pictures and say, are there porn stars that look like this person? It's Ew, disgusting. No. I was going to talk about one that was called Find Your Doppelganger. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, you made it seem like it was going to be really gross. I was like, that one is no, disgusting. I was just going to say that people actually post their own pictures asking strangers who they think they look like. But... My point is, be careful, because when I was reading some of these comments, um, one, they were not kind, and oftentimes, they were being compared to things that weren't even human. So it was just like, you look like a potato. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, rude. <laughs> so that's all I'm saying. That it's was like, my have warning. Have you ever seen like, a tomato that you left in the fridge too long and started getting all like lopsided and moldy and black? <laughs> That's what your face looks like. Yeah, that's what you look like. I found it. Yeah, no, like like that. So all I'm saying is that if you want to go out there and try to find your face twin or whatever, just uh, make be sure that you might get some you bad might get feedback. Roasted you might get roasted. Right. <laughs> oh, oh man, there's nothing more amazing than when someone's like, "I always thought I looked like," and like enter one of the most gorgeous male or female celebrities ever, and you're like, "No." <laughs> You don't. Yeah, they're like, like... there's nothing about you that's even remotely My friends similar. tell me I look like Halle Berry. And then you're like, you're a white guy. What the hell? Or so, <laughs> like, it's to me, sometimes it's that, like, insane of a difference. I'm just like, that just looks nothing like her. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, there's my story. I hope you enjoyed it. It was kind of a wild ride for me. So, I hope it was for you, too. That was pretty amazing. It made me realize that the idea of a doppelganger is infinitely more complicated than I ever interpreted it. To me, it was always someone, it was a real human mm -hmm. that looked mm -hmm. like you, but it looks like there's a lot of mysterious and creepy stuff going on with it. Like my first experience with it was from comic books as a kid. Like comic books taught me so many things. Like a Spider-Man villain was yeah. called Doppelganger. He was like a demon looking Spider-Man. And I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't know it was a term until I got older. And then I heard Doppelganger again. I was like, why are these guys talking about Spider-Man? And then I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I get it. Cute. Um, and then there's always the joke. There's that one SNL sketch where they keep finding each other's doppelgangers oh, yeah. and they have to like kill the evil one. And, That's and, my favorite. They're like, why do you have to shoot any of us? And they're like, who cares? We have to kill you. Um, I don't know. I think I'd be really messed up if I saw an alternate one of me. And I think the story that scared me the most mm. was the teacher. Um, oh, really? Amelia Earhart. Amelia Earhart. <laughs> <laughs> Emily. Damn it. Yeah, uh, that one actually scared me because I think I'd actually be more terrified if people kept seeing a double of me in my vicinity mm -hmm. and I couldn't and see And you were it. just not aware. Yeah, yeah, because if people say they, I mean, I've had scary moments and I know people probably don't believe me and so it's so easy to dismiss when someone says, I saw myself looking weird in the mirror and I think it was a doppelganger. Mm -hmm. It would be easier for people to dismiss that. But I think if an entire school, mm -hmm. an entire classroom sees something and, you know, it's a recurring issue, I'd be like, yeah, there is something wrong happening. Right. So I think that story actually is the one that terrified me. Yeah. I mean, there's, I think, Oculus. Do you remember that mm -hmm. movie? So that actually plays into the doppelganger kind of concept, but... Also an alternate mirror But also thing. kind of a... Uh, mirror involvement and that something that i ran across a lot in when i was reading about doppelgangers that seems to be kind of going hand in hand with the same phobia mm -hmm. kind of same concept where like there's another you another dimension and that it's on the other side yeah. and mirrors are often thought to be like 
windows to that realm. And there's actually yeah. a, a thing called, I think it's called scrying, where it's a, it's a process where you sit in front of your mirror. You have to make sure that it's uh, low lit. So the light should be turned off. Maybe you have some candles, something like that. And you sit in front of the mirror and you just stare at yourself for a really long period of time, pretty much as long as it takes. And the idea is that the other you will start moving without your permission. Are you sure it's not because you're getting delirious from lack that- of water and food because you're sitting there so long? <laughs> well, I don't mean days. I you're mean like, like- this, you're just staring at it for days and going, I will see that sailboat. For I brought me, my lunch with me. I'm totally going to see it. I, I'm, I'm thinking like 30 minutes. And for me, that's like an eternity to stand still. So yeah. for me, I'm like, God, that's forever. But they're like, eh, it takes like 30 minutes or so, maybe an hour until you see anything. Sometimes you'll see yourself as an old age. So it's more like a, a window to the future. Um, yeah. So who knows what you'll see? People claim it works. You know, do you if you want to do it. I don't know. So that makes me wonder if... Uh, doppelgangers and mirrors have a big connection. They do. Uh, when I, I like I said, when I was reading about it, that seems to be like they, that kind of kept popping up. You know what I mean? It happened to Abe Lincoln. Yeah. So here we go. Well, so I see I, a lot of those stories about the doppelganger do actually scare me a bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not scared of mirrors though. Right. Um, that me does either. seem to be a pretty common fear though. Like Oculus was the only movie that used mirrors to a scary effect that I thought was pretty decent. That was a really good movie. I I enjoyed the movie, but I don't have a mirror fear. So I wonder if that movie is a lot scarier to people who are terrified of mirrors. Oh, I bet. I bet it is. I I wouldn't say I'm afraid of mirrors. I'm always afraid, like, I'll see someone behind me, but not because of the mirror, because because then I'll see that there's someone behind me. Mm, I'm afraid of the thing behind me. Um, I mean, the only thing I hate about mirrors is when I wake up in the morning and go, oh, God. That's what I look like. <laughs> That's the only scary thing I want to see. Yeah. So maybe I am seeing a doppelganger and he is totally ugly. Yeah. It's not you. It's the doppelganger. Okay. <laughs> he needs to get his shit together. Just <laughs> wait, bro. <laughs> uh, okay. But anyway. All right. So we're going to take a quick, short break. We'll be right back. Uh, I got a short little story to end of the day, which has nothing to do with doppelgangers. Maybe it does. Oh my god, does it? We'll think about it. Alright, so we'll see you guys in just a few. Alright, welcome back. So, to finish off the episode, I got a nice little short tropical terror for you. Yay! Uh, So today, I'm taking you to New Zealand. So with that, just a quick disclaimer, New Zealand isn't tropical. But it is an island, and it's part of Polynesia. (laughs) Much of Polynesia is tropical. so And it's very much in the South Pacific, so I am totally... I include New Zealand in my tropical tears. Uh, It also has a huge connection with Tiki that I'm going to do at some point in the future. But yeah, so the non-tropical, tropical tropical terror. (laughs) So we've both always wanted to go to New Zealand. It seems like a great place to visit. I mean, everyone who goes or who's lived there is like, man, this place is beautiful. It's got all this history. But let's be honest, it is also where Lord of the Rings was filmed. So I'm pretty oh, sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you, because uh, for those of you that don't know, Lily's a big Lord of the Rings chick. And so <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to like check out all these film sites. I like how you got... called me a big Lord of the Rings chick. Not a big <laughs> Lord of the Rings chick fan. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, sorry. No, she, just kidding. She is a huge Lord of the Rings fan. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, no, not like that at all. <laughs> um, 
so anyway, New Zealand's pretty high on our upcoming travel list, so that's why I wanted to start doing some stories relating to New Zealand. I'm sure when we go, we'll start by checking out like some hobbit holes and stuff, but <laughs> it won't be long before you and me are going to take a considerable amount of time to check out all the haunted stuff in New Zealand. Oh, absolutely. And I can promise you, there's a lot of haunted stuff in New Zealand. Really? Even though it's had a short period of human occupation compared to pretty much everywhere else, mm -hmm. it still has a lot of haunted stuff. Okay. It was the last major landmass to have people uh, inhabit, so okay. it's still amazing how many haunted things exist there. So... I'm excited. The location I'm going to talk to you about today is called Spirits Bay, Mm -hmm. Also known as, and wait for me to butcher the pronunciation, <laughs> Pihuane. Oh, I don't and know. And it's on the northern tip of the northern island of New Zealand. I mean, if you just keep going north, it's pretty much the end of everything. Okay. It is considered by many to be one of the most haunted locations in New Zealand. One of the things I love about ghost stories from islands is the contrast between gorgeous beaches and what is essentially the most terrifying thing a person can experience. <laughs> Before I go on, for those of you unfamiliar with New Zealand history, the Maori are the indigenous Polynesian people of New Zealand and came to the island in the middle of like the 14th century about. They have a very distinct and incredible culture. I have quite a fascination with the Maori, and I spend I will spend a good amount of time on a future episode talking about some of their beliefs and mm -hmm. cultural beliefs and superstitions and whatnot, because it'll be pretty relevant. Okay. Um, but what we need to know for this story is that Spirits Bay is sacred in the Maori culture. The beach is where it is believed that the spirits of the dead go before they leave the world and travel to the afterlife. Ooh. They allegedly leave from an old, I'm going to pronounce it badly, Pohutukawa tree, Pohutukawa tree, that is above the bay. It appears to be an open access beach so that the general public can venture onto it. It is gorgeous. It looks absolutely incredible. It's a mix of long sandy beaches, but also like rock beaches as mm -hmm. well. There's a little, like some small cliff diving. It's just, it's absolutely incredible. Nice. Most of the spiritual activity in the area is allegedly seen at night. Many have claimed to regularly witness spirits walking along the beach mm. until disappearing at the edge. The ghosts do not seem to interact with living people, though, no matter how hard you might try. It is an area where they can be clearly seen, but they don't ever seem to respond to all the living people that might be witnessing it. Right. Don't worry. I won't be trying. <laughs> I mean, I want to see it, but I'll be like, I'm good. You you go on, yeah. my friend. You go on. So there was this one account of a guy who decided to stay on the beach as long as he could before, you know, he fell asleep. Mm -hmm. And he said he saw over 40 ghosts walking past him <gasps> and going up the beach. And he said they were very clear, Holy obvious moly. ghosts. And he's the only person on the beach. Oh, my God. Nah. So what did they say any times or days? Like maybe it's like more specific? No, it just seems to be at night. I mean, okay. I think there's enough people living in New Zealand uh, that death rates, as much as, as morbid as this is to say, are, are high enough that you're probably going to have a lot of ghosts. Okay, sure. So I don't know. if that weren't enough... Neighboring Spirits Bay, just to the east, is Takapaukura Bay. Takapaukura Bay, yeah. Attached to it is a small stream. So the, the bay has a stream coming through it. And the stream is called Kapu Wairua, which means snatching souls in the Ooh, local vernacular. That's Allegedly, sad. along this little river, there are demons. <gasps> and in this river, those demons attempt... 
to capture any of the spirits that happen to be wandering past that specific location oh, on their no. way to Spirits Bay. So, like, if you're going to the afterlife, <laughs> they, like, grab you. It's just, like, oh. Uh, and when, they're right near each other. It's, like, when the little um, turtles hatch and there's all these, like, birds trying uh-huh. to get them. And they're, like, and you're, like, come on, little dudes, trying to make it to the ocean. And then, oh. Can you imagine not making it to the afterlife because some demon grabs you? He's, like, I got you. It's not even because you were bad. That's, uh, it's just because you were walking the wrong way. <laughs> Oh, man, I would totally get lost. Let's hope I don't die in New Zealand. But, I mean, how amazing is this if, and these are right next to each other. I mean, you can walk between these in just minutes. Okay. So, how amazing is it that in an area, you know, it's it's common when you have, like, paranormal activity occurring. But we have both, like, non-violent ghosts that seem to be benign. Mm-hmm. And near it, we have demonic activity. Mm-hmm. And it's on some of those beautiful beaches. I've this ever is seen. like definitely a portal. I mean, it would have to be like where the other realm can communicate or where Absolutely. they where they interact. Yeah, I was having a hard time getting a deep history of the beach or the area. I mean, the beach isn't really built up. There aren't people like living there, so oh, okay. it was hard for me to find a lot of any specific history. But the question that interests me the most is this. Was this a highly active supernatural paranormal area when it was discovered by the Maori mm-hmm. and their cultural representation of it was created as a direct reaction to this activity? Or did this activity occur as a result of the Maori presence in the area? Like a rituals or like them bringing it there kind of thing? Yeah, to me it's kind of like a chicken or the egg thing. Like when the Maori people came to the island mm-hmm. and started to uh, occupy and live on the island did they discover this beach being particularly spiritually active and creepy and the the legends came from there or was the beach just totally normal and after they lived there it kind of was formed right into a cultural thing it's so weird to think that you'd see ghosts on an island where we don't have any evidence that people lived before mm-hmm. so the assumption is it came after the maori occupied it but then there's this part of me that thinks, how creepy would it be if they come to an island that's never had humans on it, and they find a creepy beach? Yeah. So. Well, because they would have found if they if they were demons, like in the true form of what demons are, then they wouldn't have walked the earth anyway. They would have been there, and then their souls. Yeah, the demons would have been there. Their demons would have been there, and then their souls would have been trying to carry on and go on to this beach, which unfortunately meant that they had to go past this portal yeah, or whatever. Exactly. I see what you're saying. And yeah. what if the demons were there because this is like a weak point in mm-hmm. between the you know real world and this spiritual, paranormal, ethereal world. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a natural place Which for a stronger... the undead, the, 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 not the undead, but the ghosts of, of the dead to go to. Right. And they Which would also explain it. why the the ghosts would want to go, like why the spirits would want to leave that way. I, I mean, I I don't know a whole lot about this entire like subject matter, uh, except for what we've researched oh, yeah. so far. We, but, we we can treat it like a story or treat it like it's real, but yeah. the discussion is the same. But in this discussion, like if it was and what's happening in this story, I can see how this could all work together. So, would you be willing to go to Spirits Bay? Absolutely. At night. Yes. Would you go to the river? of the snatching demons at night. You know, I'd be really concerned. I'd like slip and fall and die right there, like on a demon. (laughs) Just be like the (laughs) easiest catch in the world. But I don't know. I think I'd probably still go. The beach looks amazing. Yeah. uh, Because it doesn't sound like you can take a demon home with you. 
So they, they seem to be very okay with being there, which I'm okay with Seems as to be well. where they want to be. Yeah, like they're not going to latch on to you or anything. It's their feeding ground. Right. They're like, why, why would I they... go with you when I can get all kinds of Why have meals? one soul when I can have many? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whole why, why buy the cow? But anyway, it was short and sweet, but I really liked it. And I think it's going to give you guys a taste of some of the cool stuff we're going to get into on a future episode. So that little thing was a taste of what's to come on Tropical Tears. Yay. Oh, my God. That was a really good one. It was so short. I love how yours are so short, but very effective. Those are my favorites. Some of them need to be more stories to make them work because <laughs> well. <laughs> if i research the history i'm just gonna be able to tell you like this beach had eroded over like forty thousand years i'm like yeah no one wants to hear that they want to hear about demons right so exactly yours have history that matters that is scary that is like yeah it's associated kind of thing yeah no i totally get it yeah so i had fun thank you perfect well i think that's going to bring our episode to a close for this week if you have any stories that you think people should know, we want to hear from you. Drop us a line at hotwpodcast at gmail.com or through Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, whatever. As always, we post episodes every Saturday, and you can find us on all standard podcasting platforms. Uh, we really want to thank you for joining us today. If, like us, you're imbibing away, cheers and have another. I know we will. If you are listening to us on your way to work or while being a productive member of society, good on you, and I hope your day is awesome. And if you happen to be hungover while listening to this, don't worry, because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye. See ya. Thank you.